The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW, here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, wonderful. We just came off of a weekend that saw a high-octane show that had a lot to talk about. So let's kind of get into your uh, your thoughts uh, on everything that went down this past weekend. Um, first off, you know, when you look at the card, um, and we were kind of talking about this, um, because some of the talent was booked elsewhere, um, you know, on that day give you an opportunity to kind of uh, figure out a card without having to figure in a lot of the puzzle pieces that, you know, sometimes you have a hard time placing because there's so much talent. Uh, when you looked up and down at the card that you came up with, what was your theory bef- behind how you put the show together so that it was and and quite frankly, one of the tightest FSW shows that's you know been seen in a long while because it really went from beginning to end without a hitch. Everyone seemed to stay fairly on time, and um, it came off really as a good show. Um, what was that like for you? Just looking at what you had and trying to piece something together that still also made sense storylines going forward. Well, you know the the. the... The centerpiece was obviously going to be the tag team title match. You know, it's been set up. It, 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 you know, five months in the making, it was supposed to happen at the anniversary show. Yep. So we knew that the anchor was going to be, you know, one of the one of the best matches that we could put together. So that's already the main event. So we're set on that. Class wins the championship. You know, who is a guy that people are going to respond to? Well, it became common sense. So it's like, hey, we put class and graves together. You know, class is a guy. You know, he reminds me of kind of the honky tonk man when he was the intercontinental. <laughs> that whoever he wrestles, people believe there's a good chance there's going to be a title change yep. that day. So the way class won the title, since he wasn't wrestling Remy Marcel, Oh crap. You know, we got graves. Uh, and then there was a girl hit us up gypsy Mac and we had her set for a while. So we knew we had the women's title match. So we already have three title matches yeah. to, to end, you know, everything that's going on. And then, you know, we had, you know, what happened between lights, camera faction and, and the ultimate finessers, Chris Bay's team. And it seemed like an easy thing because you know, you know, it, it, it literally in a lot of cases does write itself. 
You know, Nino sure. and Fresco talk about Northtown all the time and who's the king of Northtown. So, hey, why not have a match? Even though, you know, Fresco's more usually in the tag with Watson, but let's have Nino versus Fresco. So now that's the fourth match. And then it's like, well, Hero and Shogun got to do something. They came off a really good performance. How about they wrestle the other guys from Lights, Camera, Faction? And Hero and Shogun are a team that people really like. Yeah. And it's it's kind of had a, had me rethink, you know, things with them as a tag team. Because despite what I perceive as great success in the singles division for those two guys down the line we're talking about right now yeah and right now you know i'm really thinking of the halloween show seeing toko uso wrestle hero and and then the winners gets death proof at no escape yeah you know it's kind of like okay you know we, we had the big plans for the unguided obviously, but, you know, that became a shocking moment to now where we have to incorporate things for that, you know? So we had five matches that were already set and Jordan Cruz was going to be in town. And there's this young guy out of Arizona, again, another one trained by Dom and Gallo and Hammerstone involved with and Graves, John Wolfgang, uh, Last time Dom ran the, the, his first show back in a couple of years, a lot of the FSW crew was there. Yeah. Of course, you know, that, that, that Phoenix, you know, it's got to happen big FSW down there eventually. It's yeah. just, there's too much connection. But Remy came back glowing about this John Wolfgang guy who's probably had two matches. And I met him like, you know, six months ago, maybe four months ago even came to the anniversary show. Yeah. And when he introduced me, he was a ring announcer. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he was training to wrestle, you know? And then Remy came back with, like, this guy's really good. I'm like, ain't he the ring announcer? He goes, yeah, like two matches. So I put him with Jordan Cruz, and and they had a really good match to, to open the show. So it kind of set the tone. Uh, then we had Judah Matthew uh, scheduled to wrestle Jordan Oasis. And Oasis has gotten a really, you know, good response of late. You know, when I post the dates, we have our we have our student page. So it's like, hey, here's a list. Whenever we get them, we, we try to be in advance as much as possible. Hey, he's, you know, these are the dates coming up. We even have for the New Year's show, you know, the, you know, the No Escape show. So in September, we already had some shows booked up until November, December. Right. And... People respond like, hey, I'll be able to make it. Oh, I can't make the, I can't make October 9th. So between Brett the Thread and Nick Xander and Ricky Tenacious and Sky High, I knew those guys were unavailable for the 9th. Jordan Oasis made a post about how, oh, that's awesome. Uh, That's my birthday, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So when we put the initial card together, he wasn't on it. So we get to the arena and it's like, oh, you know, Oasis isn't here. Like, what do you mean? Oh, he's up at Defy. And I'm like, well, he posted. I didn't, and it's not really his fault, 
but you're the one who said you were available that day and you know and that and sometimes that's what gets lost in translation right so another younger guy jeffrey uh, excellence uh who was trained by thornstow and luster up in reno and he's a bit rusty and he's still got some ways to go but you know he got the opportunity you know to wrestle in a match yep. so you know we did no pre-show match we did eight matches in and out in two hours, despite the fact we had a huge angle at the end, and it wasn't 130 degrees in there. It, it was it, it was a very good atmosphere. Yeah. We had good talent. You know, we had a few guys from out of town. You know, you know, we're looking forward to the 30th when you know Eli Everfly comes back, Bunny Bone comes back. You know, a lot of good things. Toko Uso comes back like that. They were unavailable the ninth. Yeah. You know, and it was like. So it, it kind of made things easier because, as you said, because it's like, oh, okay, you got Ricky Tenacious and Brandon G. Sometimes they're together, you know, depending on what the spot is. Well, I kind of like this guy. He's been working a lot of shows. And then you got the Suavecitos, but Adrian Quest can't make it. And then, like, I added Chase Bell later on. Yeah. And, and uh, just because of the fact of what happened at, survival of the fittest so it made sense to have a nice little singles match between them obviously danny got involved and you know people were shocked that remy marcel came out but why should they be shocked the suavecitos are the main reason why remy is no longer nevada state champion so it kind of all played into it to where you know i can announce that on what's it called uh tricks treats and slams the (laughs) special uh October 30th, the six-man tag will be uh, Remy Marcel and Hart and Solis going up against the Suavecitos, including Adrian Quest. So that yeah. that's, uh, you know, a six-man that has already been announced. Uh, Funny Bone in a casket match, which is almost like tradition. Right. So I'm leaning toward Eli Everfly in that match because I think it would be crazy sick and it would be a perfect match for halloween yeah so but we're putting that together that card and then you know there's a few people who can't make it and then everybody's favorite the uh, gimmick infringement uh, battle royal <laughs> so where, you know one of the guys hit me up he was like oh so you what how is it, Will it work do you have to dress like a monster it's like no dude you dress like another wrestler like you know who you might look like who you you know who you love you know I remember, you know, Damian Drake, his first match was as Jeff Hardy in the gimmick battle royal. You know what I mean? A lot of guys had done that. Even Funny Bone was in on it. He was CM Punk years ago, you know, and we've had a lot of fun, you know, spite of the warrior. He was John Cena when, when he first got his opportunity. And let me tell you something. That's like one of the most fun matches in the entire year yeah you know i always joke that the battle royal lasts five minutes but the intros last <laughs> 25 minutes because everybody comes out you know leon Hader does a great howard finkel so a lot of times we're able to get him as the ring announcer and you know he introduces exactly the way finkel would when he announces the ultimate warrior and you know we had like this guy, the Hefe, had like a professional makeup artist do sting makeup for him when he was like the thing that looked amazing. Wow. You know, 
and it's like, you know, some guys come in and, you know, I think, uh, you know, Cody at one time might've been like Mikey Whipwreck and like nobody, <laughs> you know, and it was like, who's Mikey Whipwreck, you know, to most of these people. And we had, uh, well, I love I know it was Fresco. I'm not sure if it was Watson, but they were the gangsters, you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, people pull some cool shit out, you know, where it's just like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Or, right. wow, that looks really good. So, and it's also a good opportunity. You know, Alice Blair, she got to be AJ Lee, yeah. I believe, at the thing. And now she wrestles on the shows. So it gets people's, you know, feet wet you know they get to dabble they get to have a two-minute intro which they'll never get again in most cases <laughs> but they come out and the crowd pops for every every song and every wrestler they know which is a brilliant idea um and it's also something that i think is very cool for breaking up the monotony that a lot of times the wrestlers will get into a funk if they're you know, just continuing to do the same thing. And, you know, you, you hit that stalemate phase before you explore new things. So I think that it's a great way to freshen up and, and kind of reinvigorate um, just the person um, to remind them what they love about pro wrestling. So it's a, it's a great idea. And, and by the way, uh, anyone listening and watching, uh, that's coming up October 30th. Uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, you can see that on the FSW network. If you uh, sign up for $6.99 a month, you get that. And you also can go back and watch uh, this past High Octane. Um, you know, when we're talking about High Octane and, uh, you know, you just mentioned Damian Drake um, and the big shocker, Matt Vandegrift, man, uh, it's interesting looking on social media at how many people are really pissed off about this, that he would turn on his brother. But it also makes a lot of sense. And I think during the time Damien was gone, you saw a lot of development in Matt's personality and um, even more evolution in his skill as a wrestler. Could this very well be something that could be one of the best matches of the year when those two end up meeting each other well they they know each other so well you know they wrestled against each other and that's what formed their friendship you know yeah. that everything seemed to click with them and when matt got hurt you know it wasn't expected to be as long like we thought damian drake was going to be out you know, maybe upwards of six months, eight yeah. months, possibly, you know, and Matt really ran with the ball. It was kind of like, you know, he had a match with Lacey and he had a match with Jay Vidal and he had a match with Eli Everfly. And some of those matches were one of the best matches we've had this year. Yeah. You know, I, even on commentary, I've talked about how Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift who started the year in tag teams, yeah. you know, the bad matches, they were, they were, they were really climbing the ladder quick and Parada decided he needed to break and Jay Vidal got thrust into the singles world. And we knew Jay Vidal was a really good wrestler, but he really 
changed. Yeah. He became a professional wrestler. You know, you like to say, oh, this guy's really good. This guy, you know, my differential is he's a major league wrestler now, Jay Bidell. Yes. And, and the unguided were becoming a major league tag team. You know, I'd be excited to see that team wrestle the Motor City Machine Guns on impact. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like with Damian Drake going down, they give up the belts. Matt Vandergriff and TJ Perkins, the best match on the show at, uh, you know, the anniversary weekend. Yeah. So his success, you know, he had a shot to be the No Limits champion. Uh, the numbers game is what got him at the end. And, you know, Damian Drake came out to help at the end. But I don't know. You know, Matt Vandergriff obviously wasn't happy with certain things. You know, whether it was his own success, maybe he thinks he's better than Damian Drake. All we know is October 30th, uh, we're supposed to find out from Matt Vandergriff, who will be speaking on what happened. So I can't put words in his mouth. You know, I can have an idea of things and how I saw it, but, you know, it's, you know, somebody, uh, you know, Brian from the Las Vegas, um, sh- the, the the magazine thing that he writes or the, the, yeah, uh, the, the pro wrestling Vegas. Right. And he was like, wow, was that the biggest turn since Hammerstone? And I'm like, no, not at all. I would have to give that to when Graves turned on Cepha. Yeah. And then they won. Uh, he helped Graves. He helped Hammer. Graves helped Hammerstone win the Nevada state and they cashed in the tag team titles in the same night. Yeah. So to me, that was the biggest turn since then, because it came out of nowhere. You know, the match was unbelievable. You know, a lot of times you'll see a turn, you'll see frustration, you know, you'll see, you know, the little foreshadowing of, of losing some matches, blaming the other guy, you know, this was their first match back. You know, and everybody was excited for the match, you know, right when the match started, you know, nobody took sides, you know, well, they did take sides, but nobody booed anybody like death proof had a huge following there rooting for them and death proof. I mean, and the young guy that had a huge, you know, group of fans cheering for them. And anytime something good happened, they everybody cheered you know there was no good guy bad guy it was like despite everything the unguided had done in the past you know it's a new unguided the injury damian drake you know he's been beloved for years and the fans always wanted to love him well they didn't for a short time and matt vandergriff was a guy who came to vegas and we used him on a decent basis started to get a bit of a following but Matt Vandergriff's career didn't really explode till he became Damian Drake's partner. Yeah. So Damian Drake was instrumental. Now, both of those guys obviously had or have an extremely, you know, they have a great, they had a great friendship, but they also had a great rivalry of, you know, wanting to outdo the other, whether it was I'm better than you or maybe deep down Matt Vandergriff sees what he has done and says, you know what? 
I can I can be the heavyweight champion. Yeah. I can be the Nevada State champion. I can be the no limits champion. You know, because in reality, everybody starts off in wrestling in 99% of the cases saying, I want to be the champ. Yeah. No saying I want to grow up to be the tag champ. <laughs> that ends up falling into place. Right. You know what I mean? I was talking on the radio show I do uh, on Sunday mornings, and we were talking about the women and the tag team titles, and it's kind of a farce because none of those women have ever teamed up before. There's no tag team women's wrestlers. Like, you don't say, hey, I'm going to go get the Rascals, the Reno Scum, the Unguided, the RMB. You're not going to say that about Maserati and Strella. Even though they're right. kind of aligned together, they're not positioned as, hey, we want to get booked as this tag team. Right. Because there just really isn't that way. So maybe, you know, when you have time to sit on site, it was five months since Damian Drake, you know, he came back. Okay, so he came back three weeks ago. So it was four and a half months that he was out. Yeah. And in that time, you know, Vandergriff got the opportunity also outside of Vegas, you know, to wrestle some big matches. Yeah. I know in a couple of weeks he's got Davey Richards. Yeah. That can wrestle, I believe, up in Washington. Yeah. So, you know, Damian Drake has to, like, sit back, and he's got to ponder his future. And he's got to look back and say, you know, he he has to, you know, he can't sit there and think, oh, man, I can't believe this happened, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's got to do what he's got to do. And he can't sit and wait for that phone call from Matt Vandegrift. You know, here right. is a guy who was a former No Limits champion. You know, he's had some great matches with Hammerstone. Uh, so he's as capable as anybody, you know, right. what's it's disappointing, but what the most exciting part of it is, is seeing Matt Vandergriff versus Damian Drake. Right. You know, those, those should be some, some killer matches, you know, early on Damian Drake, I'm pretty sure I got the best of Matt Vandergriff, but now Matt Vandergriff is a totally different wrestler, you know? So, you know, we're looking forward to what's going to happen there. You know, it, it, it shocked the world and it, and it's great to shock the wrestling fans. You know what yeah. I mean? Like nobody saw it coming, you know? Right. And, and I think, uh, anyone who's familiar with Garth, uh, here in Las Vegas, I think that his reaction just you know captured it by putting his hands on top of his head and his mouth dropping it was a, a jaw dropper um and it was done so well um i think that the timing that that nip up into the kick that matt did was fucking unbelievable joe that oh was... yeah no, no no doubt about it you can i just watched it back because the camera angle was amazing to begin with, but the reaction of the crowd was all everybody up at the same time was just like, what the fuck? So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, the television is still as strong as ever death proof. You know, yeah. the, they, 
they beat the unguided fair and square. You know, it was a great match. Either team could have won. You know, it's disappointing that we're not seeing death proof and unguided in the, in the steel cage on November 27th. But, you know, who's to say we don't see a, a different match involving the unguided inside a steel cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, that would be no escape, which is uh, going to be a, a big pay-per-view, um, coming up, uh, in November. Uh, and that will be something that we're, you know, looking towards building towards over the next uh, month and a half. Um, when you talk about Matt and, uh, Damian Drake, uh, I just want to get this in because I think this is something that is just wonderful. Um, and that is one of the people who helped them so much over the uh, time period of the pandemic was Allison Danger. And Allison, who is the sister of Steve Carino, is on her way to NXT uh, down to the Performance Center to uh, help uh, train down there. What does it mean to you when you have someone like that who has worked with you guys, who's helped Lacey and Matt and Damien, Jordan Oasis, Jay Vidal, everyone who she's worked with is leaps and bounds better than they were at the beginning of 2020. Is it something for you in terms of um, just being grateful and being able to say that, you know, she worked with the FSW wrestlers um, in the role of a trainer for the future stars. And now she gets help to help uh, build potentially people who are going to be legitimately NXT uh, performers. You know, it, it, it really is amazing. It's like, you know, why anybody would go to any other wrestling school than ours uh, you know, I don't get it. You know, it's like Davari, who had been a guy who was part of WWE, recently was working in Impact and MLW. He was coming in and running classes. Yeah. You know, he gets signed back by WWE. D'Lo Brown, major part of FSW training, gets the full-time gig as the head of talent relations for Impact. Still around. He was there the other day. We were talking about what the stuff would impact because we're we're working with the major company impact who's gonna be doing six tapings over the next forty-five days. Yeah. FSW is part of that. Why would you go anywhere else? And then you see, wow, Lacey Ryan, she just got signed and she's the NXT women's tag team champion. Oh, Sephafatu. He just got signed. He said, everybody watch out. Pay attention to uh, NXT the next couple weeks. Good chance he's going to debut. Karrion Cross, our own guy from scratch, Chris Bay. Yeah. Hammerstone, the MLW champion. Yes. So it's who you get to be with that's training you with Sin Bodie, who goes down to the developmental center, and he trains people there, and Kenny King who instrumental in getting somebody like Maserati to be part of Ring of Honor. And then you got, you know, local legends in Cody and Remy Marcel, yeah. who, you know, 
helped train Kevin Cross. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the guys that were instrumental. They were there from the beginning, you know, for them. You know, Remy's got international experience training people, you know, in China. And yeah. then you walk into a locker room that had Brian Cage and Cross and Bay and Ricker and L.A. Knight, for those who don't know who Sean Ricker is. <laughs> and then the guys we've brought in who've done seminars like, yeah. you know, Lance Hoyt and P.J. Black and T.J. Perkins, who comes in and trains, you know, now and again, you know, it's amazing to me how lucky we are and how lucky I am. You know, I look at it and, it, and it's a, it, 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 it's amazing. It is truly unbelievable. But all I did was try to put together this company to run wrestling shows, being a wrestling fan growing up, kind of walked into running the school, wasn't really an option in the beginning, but it became an option and we kind of ran with it. And there's a lot of frustration in running the school and, and people with dues and how many people come in, come out. They want this, they want that. They think all that other stuff, but all these guys have a choice to go anywhere they want, but they come to FSW. So Alice in danger offered to help out took advantage of that quickly. A lot of people enjoyed what they saw. Well, then Alice in danger got her buddy who was her assistant and her assistant is now helping everybody out there too. And cheerleader Melissa, who's considered one of the best women wrestlers in the past 20 years. So one leaves, one comes back and, and, and it's just mind boggling that, the talent that's there and that's what's the disappointing part when you have a class and all of a sudden five kids show up yeah yeah or eight kids show up and six of them are the beginners and there's only two guys that are in the middle of the road who show up and it's like i get it everybody oh well you know they got to work they got to make their money i get it but you should be able to figure out a way to be a wrestler instead of a clerk yes oh can't make it gotta work at the shop gotta work at the store gotta work at the thing and it's like but you never make training so i get it you gotta work but if this is what you really want you're never gonna get it you cannot get it by showing up once a week Yes. You know, six times a month, people are going to bypass you. You know, who are the younger students that have really came by quick? Well, Nick Xander, Brett the Threat, you know, guys like that. Chase Bell, you know, Chase had some training and he was there, but he was really rough around the edges. Yeah. But being there as much as he can, you know, it, it's made him jump over other guys that might be on shows and they might make some of the shows, but they're just not there and it's nothing against them and it's nothing against anything. But when you're running a business of professional wrestling company, the idea is to try to put as many of the best wrestlers as you can on the show. 
to make people want to come to your show instead of another show, especially now when there's 50 motherfucking companies running. <laughs> sometimes you can't help but run the same day as somebody else. Yeah. And I don't care if we run against somebody else. I never go out of my way to run against somebody else. But if we have a date set and Hammerstone's available this date, I'm not switching the date to not make them available because I'm worried that somebody else is running a show down the street. Yeah. You know, to get our crowd. Well, it might affect our crowd a little bit to where we don't pack the house and we just have a good crowd. But the bottom line is that's what high octane's about running every couple of weeks to, to keep those storylines flowing. So when we do no escape and we do survival of the fittest, we can do a mixed match between the MK army and Hammerstone's crew and Chris Bay and ice Williams crew and doing with, because Estrella and the shade doing a battle of the sexes match, you know, that's all, right. all the planning of getting from point a to point Z. Instead of just starting at A and going to Z, you know, and that's what we pride ourselves on. And that's why I believe we're at the forefront of a lot of independent wrestling companies, you know, in the United States, because we do have the storylines as good as matches as people can get. And the FSW crew going Arizona and Brett, the threat, you know, posted about where he's going to be and Nick Xander. And that's great. But as guys going into those companies to work shows, 90% of the time, unless you're involved in maybe a angle about a title, you're just coming in to have a random match against a guy you're never going to probably wrestle again. Right. And fans, that's what they love about FSW, that they have people they like, they have people they hate. You know, who would have thought before the Nevada State title tournament that the best feud of this year would be Gregory Sharp and Jay Vidal. Yep. They weren't even on each other's radar. Yeah. Yeah. But they've had one of the most aggressive feuds that I've seen, which has also shed a new light on Jay Vidal to the fans, who they love to begin with. But now they see, you know, he ain't taking no shit, you know? And it's just weird to see how things play off. And, and, you know, people like to sometimes not credit me for a lot of things, but then sometimes overcredit me for a lot of things. (laughs) You know, a, a lot of times when you see things happen, that's based off a wrestler having an idea. And it's not always a wrestler having an idea about him doing this tonight. It might be Remy Marcel having an idea about, hey, what do you think about this and that match over there if we did this, this, and this? So there's always input coming from all angles. And again, I have the final say, you know, even my son, you know, makes some suggestions, you know, and sometimes I use them. And it's like... Sometimes I don't just like Remy Marcel. If I have a conversation with Remy, I don't go telling everybody. Yeah. Remy pitched this, 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 and this, but I picked this one. Right. No, all that was Remy picked this one. And then it comes back to where, Oh, Joe DeFalco only listens to Remy Marcel. <laughs> and it's like, that's the farthest from the truth. It's like, I, 
percentage wise, I probably listen to Remy less than anybody else, except that he has so many different ideas. So, and some are out of, you know, out of this world. Hey, have young boy win the title. No, that, that you're out of your mind, but we ended up doing it. And for that moment, it worked really well. You know what I mean? And he, some you know crazy far-fetched ones you know recently with Bodie you know the young prodigy and 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 other things but you know that's the inner workings of listening and hearing and and dealing with this and dealing with that and it's just like man there's not, there's not enough hours in the day to, for me to do that and play hot roll you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah absolutely um you know, and one of the other things I think that is fascinating about that with, um, you know, you, you kind of touched on it in a, in a, in a way. And that is with the trainers, what the guys are learning and the, and the gals are learning as well as, um, how to tell the stories in the ring. And then of course the character development and your promos, but what's added to that is, the booking aspect and what you bring to the table in terms of creating the storylines and creating the flow so that they can tell the stories in the ring and you can put the arc of the story of what is happening, where it's going to go. So that, you know, if you move from one feud, then you start the next feud because of the fact that it's laid out well by yourself by the ideas of guys like Remy that help move along the stories and it's just fascinating to see how well guys are starting to tell these stories in the ring because of the training like you said Allison Danger moves on to performance center cheerleader Melissa now is you know right there um right stepped in and just took her spot it's amazing. It's, and you, 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 you did kind of mention it. Uh, MLW, we, we have a new heavyweight champion and he's also the FSW champion. How cool is that, that you now have the FSW champion with a major title at the same time that he has your title? Well, I'm looking at it as how lucky is MLW to have the FSW champion as their champion. You know, the legacy of the FSW heavyweight championship is cemented. You know, you can look at the walls. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's amazing. It's a long time coming. You know, I know they barely ran any shows through the pandemic. Right. And, you know, it's really impressive to see you know, those companies that were under, you know, impacts a TV company, Ring of Honor. They didn't do anything also. But when you talk about wrestling in the United States, obviously WWE, AEW, Impact, and Ring of Honor. Three and four, you can go in any order you want. It all depends on where you're at. But then you got the MLWs and the GCWs, and GCW by far, took the biggest jump of anybody because they were the ones who ran extensively while a lot of companies were laying low. 
you know, now it's like, oh, shit, the Briscoes showed up. Is there a working relationship with Ring of Honor? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, because those guys, which makes a lot of sense because Ring of Honor has a relationship with PWG, but yeah. that was because of the Young Bucks and, you know, Omega and, and all those guys that always wanted to work there. Now that those guys are gone, sure, they use Brody King, who's, who's the mainstay there, and they use some of the guys. But PWG is is the super indie California company. Right. You know, TW has broadened itself to where when you talk about national companies, you have to talk about GCW. And, you know, and on top of that, Joe, they have a new heavyweight champion as well. And he lives right here in Vegas. And he showed up at one of your shows, Mr. John Moxley. He showed up at one of them. We, we can't get him to show up at the second one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, maybe he'll still be the champion when we do FSW versus GCW. Yeah. <laughs> we have John Moxley defending against Brandon G, brother. <laughs> Main event anywhere in the United States. Well, you know what, and and maybe you know if if Moxley is not available due to contractual obligations, maybe Brandon G could go against Nick Gage. <laughs> maybe, you know, I Cody still wants that one-on-one matchup with Nick. You know, we'll see. You know, uh, we've talked. You know, I talked with Brett at GCW, seeing when they're going to come back, and obviously. Again, that's who we've aligned ourselves with. Yeah. Ring of Honor's out here. We're aligned with them. Impact comes out here. We're aligned with them. When AEW was out here, we aligned with them. Yeah. You know, GCW did a show with them. You know, I've been wanting to do a show with Impact for years. Yeah. Like, you know, you're in Saturday, Sunday, whatever, for the tapings. Let's do a FSW Impact show on Friday night, air it on Fight TV, you know. But... It goes back dealing with those big money companies. It's kind of hard because, yeah. again, everything needs to fit each other. Right. And, you know, sometimes they feel like, hey, if we run a show similar with Ring of Honor, if we did a show together on Friday, why are people going to come Saturday and Sunday? You, you know what I mean? Right. And in the past with Ring of Honor, like we've tried to get guys that are exclusive, like, you know, Jay Lethal. We love Jay Lethal. You know, he's come in, he does a seminar. He's actually just hit me up. He's going to be in town. We're doing another seminar. So any, any, any wrestlers that are training elsewhere, you are more than welcome to come in and learn from one of the best in the business. Jay Lethal will be out here. And when we had Liger uh, at the show and we were doing the Mecca, obviously it was always after a Friday, Saturday ring of honor show. Right. You know, and I hit up Jay and it was like, hey, bro, uh, you want to work our show? He's like, I'd love to, but you got to get it through Joe Coff, who's the, the, the boss. Right. It's like, well, Ring of Honors are Friday and Saturday night. So they're not losing anything from the gate. He's not on the show the night before because, like, my son wanted to run a show the day before the Impact pay per view. And I'm like, Joey, Impact is not going to allow. Chris Bay and Sammy Callahan and all these guys to wrestle on a regular show the day before their big pay-per-view. Right. You know, so we were hoping Ring of Honor would allow one guy, Jay Lethal, 
to work, you know, this Sunday. It would have been a great surprise. You know, Jay Lethal's coming to the show anyway, which he did. He hung out in the production booth. Jay's awesome. Every time he's around and we got a show, he's there, pays attention, gives a shit about the business. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, they, you know, they don't allow it. Like, Jay can go work up in Alaska because it's outside the United States, but he can't work. And it's the same thing with Kenny King. Kenny King's exclusive to Ring of Honor, but because of his relationship with us, he's allowed to work. Now, the problem is he's allowed to work, but we can't announce, hey, come see Kenny King live on pay-per-view because we're not allowed to promote him. So if we're not allowed to promote him, then what becomes the advantage of having Kenny King on the show if we can't tell anybody? Right. Yeah. And, like, you know, especially with everybody working together, it's not really hurting anything anymore. So let's see if the floodgates open with the Briscoes showing up at, at GCW. Is GCW bigger than us? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that, hey, they can't get their feet wet. They're going to run a show in Vegas in six months. Hey, we can use a couple of Ring of Honor guys. Because not everybody's signed. Like, I know Lights, Camera, Faction and Shane Taylor's group has been going back and forth. Yeah. And it's like, sure, Axton, if you want to pay for their flights, yeah, I'd be more than happy to use them. Like, uh, to do a six-man tag is very expensive when you got to fly guys in from the other, you know, the other side of the country. Right. For a, for a six-man tag. Yeah, and, you know, that and that is interesting now that, uh, you know, the the quote-unquote forbidden door is being basically just crushed open and burnt down. Um, and I think that, like, bringing up a team like the Briscoes, boy, if Ring of Honor comes out this way, how amazing would it be for the opportunity for death proof to go against the Briscoes? That that would be just mind-blowing. And probably very brutal, and Cody would be very happy in doing that. But that would be awesome, you know? You know, years ago when we were at the old school, I remember, I think I still have their phone number. I think, I'm not sure if it was Jay or Mark. And what's funny was what they're asking for was like, you know, I'd be all over that today. <laughs> It's like everybody's rates have skyrocketed. Like, wow, if we could have got the Briscoes for that. And, you know, they're another one. They they have become what's considered a legendary tag team. Yep. You know, without ever appearing in WWE. And to see the Briscoes and the Bucks in AEW would be fresh. Yeah. You know, it it would be something. But I think there might be too much animosity with... Cody Rhodes and the Bucks leaving. Because I remember when uh, they were starting to build AEW, and we have a relationship with the Young Bucks. Not a great one. We've used them a good, decent amount of times. But if you remember, they were going around to different companies and making appearances and keeping that AEW name alive. Right. And, you know, I hit up Nick because I talked to Nick more than Matt. And I'm like, hey, bro, Ring of Honor's in town Friday and Saturday. We got the Mecca on Sunday. How cool would it be for the Bucks to show up in Vegas? And, yeah, that would be really cool. But, you know, it was like there was that hesitancy to maybe not, like, really burn the bridge, even though the bridge may be burned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, 
it, that would have been that would have been awesome because all the Ring of Honor fans Friday and Saturday stick around for the Mecca on Sunday as well as the regular wrestling fans. It would have been that AEW type of crowd, so they yeah. would have went crazy. Yeah, if Buck showed up, you know. And speaking of AEW and former champions that you've had, you got someone like Brian Cage, um, who I think they're they're trying to figure out where he fits in essentially right now. Um, is there is there a possibility of maybe doing something with Brian Cage? Um, in terms of, you know, having... Brian Cage, Cage Show. Brian Cage, Cage Show. That has a good ring to it. Well, and, you know, maybe uh, if, uh, you know, that uh, Nevada State belt or that FSW heavyweight belt just kind of gets on him, uh, shows up at AEW with that, you know, just just saying. You know, who would not want to see... Because we've seen it before, and it was tremendous. Uh, at the Mecca tournament, Brian Cage defeated Hammerstone. Yeah. So, turnabout is fair play. Will the former FSW heavyweight champion, Brian Cage, come after the current FSW and MLW champion? Will Tony Khan send the AEW guy to take out the MLW guy, even though their MLW title's not on the line. I might have to pitch that idea. I think so. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way that uh, Mr. Khan works, uh, you never know. <laughs> you, you never know, but I'm not sure if I say I'm friends with Brian Cage, <laughs> I might get through Khan. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just saying. He might be out of the office every time I call. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know as we as we look- definitely can't definitely can't say Melissa Santos. <laughs> then they definitely won't take the call. <laughs> oh man, well, and you know, then thinking of AEW, is there still a flight ticket uh, for one Matt Hardy? There is. I actually have to hit him up again. I hit him up before about the anniversary, and I was, you know, a little uh, disappointed that my guy Matt ghosted me. Like, I didn't get a return. And I guess if I hadn't talked to him in two years and he didn't respond, I should take it a little more personally. But I did message him about three or four months before that about trying to see about getting FSW guys on uh, the AEW dark when they were maybe, you know, at that point. And he, you know, he quickly responded and gave me some information and things. And, you know, a guy like Matt Hardy probably gets a lot of, a lot of messages. Right. And, you know, it's like Sammy Callahan, like he'll look at his messages once a week. <laughs> so, you know, you never get the call back unless he just happens to be there at that moment looking at it. Right. So, you there's definitely uh, an opportunity to, to hit up Hardy. Love to have him again. Hey, I was going to say, love to have them work the unguided private party, you know, with Matt Hardy. But, yeah, that definitely won't happen. <laughs> I found an email from, like, three years ago, private party wanting to work for FSW. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know. Yeah, they came from, like, they came from New York, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the final thought on AEW and people that are there, uh, Leo Rush is now part of AEW. Um, I can't believe it. He's come out of retirement. I am stunned. Was was basically his retirement just to miss your show? <laughs> just to not work Chris Bay, I think. Yeah. That could be it. <laughs> I think Leo Rush retired to duck Chris Bay. Yep. Oh man. Um yeah, it's 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 really exciting what's been going on and um one of the things fans can get excited for we kind of talked about and touched on is the October 30th show. Um and I'm sure that we'll see, you know, at least one of those names uh show up in the form of probably a wrestler in impersonating them or, or choosing them as the character for the uh, battle royal that I night. guarantee you the Hux, the hoaxster uh Mach will be there you know Y2J and all those names the way we can twist them to be you know technically illegal <laughs> and and Joe if you had to pick a character uh, for yourself, if let's say Mick Foley, Mick, Mick Foley. Everybody thought I would when I had the mullet. Bang bang! <laughs> People used to think I was Mick Foley. Oh. Even now with that beard, if I let that beard grow a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Cactus Jack. That was always the one. I I would I would uh. I really would love to pay to see uh, you do the uh, the Cactus Jack uh, in the Battle Royal and just, uh, you know, just get eliminated right away. Uh, <laughs> eliminated? I, I wouldn't get eliminated. I'd win. What are you talking about? Dude, pull the, the <laughs> Pull the old, you come out, you get into the ring, you slide under the ropes and then sit at commentary for the whole thing. Didn't Vince McMahon win a Rumble? Yeah, the same, almost the same exact wave. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I man. hate when they do the under. I hate when they do the under the ring thing. I, and it, That's oh, just a cheap thing. And it always, you know, it always comes off as the same. There's never been a, you know, I I think that Vince McMahon winning in '99. Uh, was probably the closest they've ever come to being able to do something that made sense. But it's all always, you know, the guy's hiding under the ring and then he comes out and it looks like he's going to win, but he gets eliminated by the guy who was already going to be the winner. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of cheesy, but it's, it's fun to think about what we'll see. And, um, also I believe for that show, if, uh, uh, people uh, come in costume, there's a discount on the ticket. Is that correct? That is true. $5 off. So if you're buying a general mission ticket, it's only 20 bucks to begin with. Now it's 15 And then if you have the best costume, you get two tickets to the November 6th show. There you go. There you go. That's not a bad deal. So everyone start working on those costumes now. Um, get that Rocky T costume. So if you... <laughs> You know, you go get a fedora, get the purple suit. Oh, man. And, and any possibility that Rocky T would actually dress as himself to try to win the contest? 
Uh, no, what happened was uh, I, I had thought about that. Strella was talking about a Halloween contest, a, a Halloween party she was having, and she was offering uh, $100 to anybody who dresses like Rocky T or me. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I just dress up as myself? And somebody even also brought that up, and somehow we're disqualified. But if I dress as Rocky T, and Rocky T dresses up like me, we both get the hungies. And that'd even be nice to take it off her dues because she's so far behind. So it's like a win-win for her. Oh, man. Well, if... If she says that that's not allowed, um, I will I will gladly dress up as Joe DeFalco to take those dues off of Estrella's <laughs> backlog. Then um, it's it's so much fun. It's so exciting uh, that uh, we're in this period of now. It's not 115 degrees out here. Now it's finally you know you could go out, you could do things, and. Hopefully, uh, that encourages more fans to maybe come out if they haven't yet. Um, thank good, thank goodness, COVID is done with. Thank God. Whew. Well, you know, no masks. No, oh wait, you know, hey. Um, now, as you see, there's a new pill. It looks like a hot tamale. So maybe right. you can sell people hot tamales and say it's a COVID pill. <laughs> that could be that could be a good score for the next scammer. Giving it away free here on the show. And and please, if you show up at FSW and you see Joe selling uh, the uh, COVID pill, remember it's a hot tamale, so don't pay the <laughs> don't pay the extraordinary price he's going to charge. Two dollars for the whole box. <laughs> oh man, um, Joe. Any final thoughts as we wrap up here on? Uh, what's been going on um, either with FSW or in the wrestling world right now, because there has been so much activity with so many different people who have been involved with FSW. Uh, I'll give a quick rundown. I think the draft sucks. I think if you're 80% of the draft was the same guys being on the same brand. It's like, to me, the draft should be who's going. You know, instead of having 20 different moments in the show, which if you're there live has to truly suck. Because I remember when it was in Vegas and everybody bitched like it was so much dead time. It was. Well, how about you sporadically do it and be like, oh, Brock Lesnar's this. And Drew McIntyre to SmackDown. To say Bobby Lashley staying on Raw, that's, that's not exciting. That That's not entertaining. It's also, and Joe, it's also at the base route, not actually a draft pick. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, so Raw had a draft pick, but somehow they drafted, uh, who I love, you know, hit row with my guy Shane Strickland, uh, you know, and Austin Theory, who's awesome. You know, he could be his big star. He's the third round draft pick, but instead of taking, you know, AJ Styles or Finn Balor, they took Austin Theory. Right. Like, in theory, how would that make any sense? Yeah. Then the other pet WWE peeve is if you're going to have the king of the ring and the queen thing, maybe do it on separate days. That way the women's matches are actually more than a minute and a half. Yep. It's like it's pointless. It's forgotten. 
nobody's going to know, nobody is going to care who won. Yeah. You know, they made, I think, Baszler go three minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, sorry. No. Baszler, no. three minutes. Dewdrop went three minutes with Natalia. Yeah, I think Dewdrop yeah. had the longest match of yeah. the four matches. Yeah. 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 The three minutes was almost more than the other three matches combined. combined. But it definitely was longer than Bianca Belair's match at WrestleMania. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, those were the pet peeves when it came to that on the AEW stuff. I think, uh, you know, GCW just keeps things exciting. Cardona's around. Uh, he's so much more over there than an Impact or anywhere else. Right. It, it, it's brilliant how they did that. And then having Moxley there, that... You know, that, that that's amazing stuff. The Briscoes coming in, Thunder Rosa coming in. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, why are they in? How how come they're allowed to be in? You know, that's like one of the most under-told stories. That's how much shit's been going on. That That is a big deal to Briscoe showing up in yeah. GCW. Because I know, and maybe a lot of people don't know, because guys can work elsewhere, but they're very possessive of the guys who have exclusive contracts and where they go and what they do. And I saw yesterday that they signed the match for them to wrestle the second gear crew, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, where that goes, you know, being that the tightest we are who actually works with us, not we work for them is GCW. So, you know, I'm excited to see because then there's guys that are going to be coming in, like maybe a Matt Cardona, that we can utilize. Because, again, GCW goes out of its way to try to make sure their guys get other work on the West Coast when they're out here. Right. Because it only helps them. They're only getting paid per show. So if they can pick up a cool show – and GCW obviously is very fond of FSW. They see what we do. You know, they were they, everybody was ecstatic about the way the show went, the turnout, everything about that show was universally praised as one of the, you know, best shows and by far the best GCW versus anybody's show. Yeah. Because we have the best talent to do that. So, you know, I'm paying attention. I'm interested in seeing AEW. They've gone out and they've signed shit tons of guys. They got great talent. The problem is when you have that much talent, how do you incorporate all these guys when a guy like Brian Cage, who you were dying to sign, has to wait six months and then, of course, lose the feud to Ricky Starks? And, you know, obviously I'm going to be a big Cage. Uh, you know, I'm going to be a guy who who puts over Brian Cage all the time, you know, but to me, I know Will Hobbs. I know Brian Cage for some reason. They love Will Hobbs. And for some reason, they're not loving Brian Cage. You know, to me, Brian, you know, can do a whole lot more in the ring. Hobbs looks like a million bucks, but Cage moves around like a cruiserweight. So to me, if, if Hobbs can have a huge value in the company, how does Brian Cage not have a huge value? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the problem becomes 
because you have so many guys that get lost by the wayside. You know, for a while it was Paige. What's Miro going to do now that he's lost the belt? Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, they signed this guy. Well, we're cool. We got Christian over at Impact. Well, when that ends, when he comes over, what do you got for him? Yeah. You know, punk. You know, you brought him back to wrestle mid-card guys. That's not what people want to see. Mid, they mid, want to- mid-card guys mid-card guys on Rampage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and nothing against those guys. And for, for Will Hobbs and the Garcia and, you know, those guys, Darby Allen was a great start. That was a guy that's built to be a superstar. Yeah. You know, people want to see CM Punk and Omega. They want to see Dan... Like I'd I'd like to see Danielson and CM Punk versus the Young Bucks, you know, yeah. and maybe one turns on the other to set up CM Punk versus Danielson. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, make CM Punk more of an attraction. He doesn't need to be on both shows. Yeah. One week he's on one. You know, he should be on the main show. You know, I'm not one for that brand split and all that other stuff, but. He just came back. Make his matches special. Yeah. You know, Hogan used to show up on TV to set up his match in that town, but you didn't see it on TV. Right. So when you get a Hulk Hogan match on television, it was the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. Or, or shit, Saturday night main events. And he'd be wrestling a guy like Brutus Beefcake, and it would be a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like... Why I, I understand because when WCW and WWF were feuding, that's when Monday Night Raw you'd have Yokozuna wrestle you would be like the semi main event yeah. back in the first days of Raw, you know. And so then everybody started throwing these matches on, but with with Dynamite, not saying to do that for everybody, but that fresh guy who's been gone, the anti hero CM Punk, you know savor him yeah utilize him for at in special occasions you know yeah kind of like we do with rocky t in a match you know what i mean it's only it's only a special occasion once every seven years mark it in your calendar i think you just i think you just equated rocky t and cm punk which is fabulous rocky t is the cm punk of the iw my friend. <laughs> oh man. Uh, on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up this week. Um, thanks again for everyone tuning in. Remember FSW network you can get for six ninety nine. You can check out the uh, upcoming uh, Halloween show on the 30th. If you're not in Vegas. Halloween havoc. What do you think of that name? I think that you're going to get sued by who <laughs> NXT. Oh, did they do that? They're yeah. In fact, they're running oh, it. Okay. They're they're running it on that Tuesday before you run your Halloween habit. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Guess not. Yeah, that's that's one of those that Cody wanted to get back that uh, WWE uh, re-upped on just so he didn't get that title. Yeah, because he has rights to it. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, everyone, look forward to that. Um, you can check out all the. Uh, content on the fsw network including uh you know exclusive programming that uh, you won't see anywhere else and uh, you can go back and watch some of the catalog 
uh, as there well. also will be wrestling at the FSW Arena on Saturday night. This this coming Saturday night. Yes, Porter is back. Really. Ed in San Antonio. Uh, Sandra Moon will be defending the FSW Championship uh, against Vert Vixen, who we like very wow. much. Uh, Maserati is wrestling uh, Nicole Savoy. It's going to be a pretty stacked card. Damn. Well, that's exciting news. Uh, what's the uh, ticket prices on that so uh, any fans interested can uh, come on down? Uh, I'm not sure. I believe it's like 30 and 20 bucks. Okay. That's a good price. Um, that's that's awesome to hear. Uh, and boy, Vert versus uh, Sandro for the title—that's a pretty nice match. That's no, great. definitely talented people on the show. Uh, I couldn't give you the whole list. I guess there's this other girl that's gotten very uh, popular of late, Charlie Evans, I believe her name is. Yeah, I believe that's it. And he's a, a deathmatch wrestler. Yes. <laughs> Uh, she will be on the card. <laughs> and are you going to... The light tubes will be removed from the building. <laughs> so, did you get rid of all the doors uh, of the last uh, show at Diversion? So, uh, I'm hoping we still got one. <laughs> but, you know, those doors are expensive, bro. <laughs> yes, they are. You know, Home Depot, they're $42 each. Damn. You know, uh, you know, and and some poor house is going without doors because they're being used in wrestling matches. Actually, we found a place through GCW that when they sell them used, they're like ten or fifteen bucks. Really, that's interesting. Yes. Used doors. It's like who brings their door to someplace, <laughs> and if you sell them for ten bucks, how much did they give you for the door? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And how practical is that door if you put it on your house? <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah, so now I'm looking at it at the flyer. So uh, Miranda Alizé will be on the mm. show. Ruby Rays will be there oh, also. Ruby. Nice. Yeah, some good names. Some good names. Good talent. So please, if you're in Vegas and you didn't know about this, please check it out. Head on down. It's uh, this Saturday night um, in you know, so it's actually at 2 p.m. Oh, not Saturday night. Then it's at 2 p.m. There you go. I, I just realized that I have to cancel kids' class because I thought it was at 7 when we made the arrangement. Yeah, it'd be kind of awkward if the uh, kids had to wrestle in one corner and the uh, show had to. Yes. <laughs> the kids would never leave. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, everyone, I hope. And you... also, also yeah. on the 31st on Halloween night. The LFC, the Lingerie Fighting Championships, return to the FSW Arena. That's right. That we'll build right. that day. Our buddy Mars is getting married in the ring. And then we got to kick him out for the reception <laughs> to then allow the women in for the LFC. The big money day for FSW right there. You know, if he worked things out right, he, he could have... Uh could have the wedding after the LFC show and just used the LFC show as his bachelor party. He could have. <laughs> I know. I have to try to see if he wants to do that and make a few extra bucks. <laughs> and LFC, if, if those of you who have not seen lingerie fighting championships, uh, you know what? There's a lot of good talent. Uh, Katie Forbes is uh, taking part in that. Uh, Maserati has uh, 
as well. She was the champ. I don't know if she still is. Yeah, I don't know who's got the titles right now. Um, I think they have one that's their championship and one that's like a, a European championship, which I always found pretty hysterical. Um, <laughs> but it, it's fun. It's it's a good time. So keep that in mind, especially on Halloween night. What a what a great atmosphere for uh, going in and seeing uh, seeing the women uh, beat the hell out of each other uh, in the uh, the shoot fighting style in lingerie. So yes, almost, almost for real. They will. Yes. Very close. Very close. Uh, and you know, I'm thinking your next, uh, natural porn killers, maybe they all should, cool. they should, you know, dress in laundry. Maybe. Uh, ever want to, uh, you know, desecrate the, uh, the lovely women wrestlers. They should be treated just like the men. Oh, no, that's what I was suggesting, that the oh, men the have men to rest in lingerie. <laughs> gotcha. Tom Lawler versus Graves in a lingerie match. <laughs> that, that would be some big money right there. Yeah, yeah, it'd probably be big money out of your pocket, too, to get Graves into yeah, lingerie. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty sure on that. Oh, man. Well, I hope everyone's had a fun time as we did today, and... Uh, Tune in next week, and until then, take care.